episode of the Starbase Indie Podcast you're about to hear was recorded live at Starbase Indie 2022. Yeah, so welcome to this episode of the Starbase Indie Podcast, where we're going to talk about bringing Klingon to the small screen. So let's start by having each of you introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Jen Uselis. Uh Most people know me as the Klingon pop warrior, Commander Jenbaum. I sing pop and rock songs translated into the Klingon language, and I am the Klingon language consultant for Star Trek Prodigy now. Yay! <laughs> really weird. Or else we'd say, Kapla! <laughs> and I'm Mary Chifo, and I am self described as Commander turned Chancellor Lorel on Star Trek Discovery, and now also uh, Chancellor Lorel on Star Trek Online, which has been really fun, bringing her voice back to life uh, for their storytelling as well. And overall, sci-fi fantasy geek <laughs> and big fan of Jen and all of her work and I'll, I'm just going to segue right in because we were just talking about you know getting into Klingon and and uh, Jen was one of my first introductions to Klingon because once I was cast I'm googling Klingon trying to learn everything possible and find every resource and of course Klingon pop warrior comes That's up crazy and um <laughs> I listened to all of your songs that, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know what, I mean, it, that was 20, um, 2016? Yeah. Probably so. Yeah. yeah. It was just the one EP at that point. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember listening through them and it was uh, obviously you're such a talented singer in Klingon or in any <laughs> other language. Um, but also your articulation of the Klingon language was so helpful as I was starting to dive in and, um, obviously worked with Robin Stewart, uh, our translator, uh, and uh, whose voice you can hear on Duolingo, yeah. <laughs> along with Mark's, right? Yeah, Mark. Yeah. There's a lot of people. Yeah. I actually recognize almost all the voices on yeah. Duolingo because it's a lot of members of the Klingon language yes. community. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. I did get it. I had been saying I was going to get it for ages, and I finally um, yeah. signed up. I was like, let's just see. And then it is fun. You go, oh yeah, I know that voice. You're like, oh, that's Alan. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what I loved, and I can't remember what. When was the first time that we met? It. I, I know online, it's like, that's uh, it was so the, funny now. It was the Star Trek cruise. It was and, in person. And that so, was. yeah, and like, I re for me, it was really funny because we got our photo op and you saw me and you were like, oh my gosh, why Wait. is that? Is that me? Oh, that's oh, no. you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like that's my phone. <laughs> magical. <laughs> it was your background music for your origin story. Yeah. I <laughs> was three years ago. I no. but, <laughs> but I remember because like you, you, it was like you saw me. You recognized my my goofy red wig, which is like everybody knows me with the wig on. Which, <laughs> which it's like when I'm out of costume. It's like yeah. my cloaking device. That's yeah. Right. And then. Um, but then I, I got my the copy of my picture and I had also gotten the autograph. And so I right. remember like I walk up to the table and you're like, oh, hi, you know, oh, like, yeah. and I put the picture down and you look up and you look at me and you look down and you yeah, look, yeah. you're like, hey, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yes. You're one of the examples of where then I realize when people have that moment with me where they're like, wait, you're oh, you know, it's like, you. yeah, you're like, <laughs> there is a very particular relationship with ridge and unridge, yeah. you know, sort of stuff. But I, I do remember because I do think we had, yeah, had some interactions online before right. that and obviously I'd been listening uh, to your music and uh, it's just so great and then hearing you perform live then we got to sing together yes. last time we last, right? yeah and uh, just just really really love how you've just totally embraced the Klingon community as have I you know like your 
I think, you know, a huge inspiration in, in, in just fully immersing and, and finding the joy. And as yeah. we both know, the Klingon community is so strong globally, <laughs> yeah. uh, international Klingon community. And I think some of the softest, most sweet uh, beings. Yeah. That's what I love is like the, the Klingon community is is truly like, what is it like the the. Um, the friendly bikers of like yeah. the Star Trek universe. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> they really they got yeah. their cool leather jackets and all right. their stuff. And they're like, hey, can I help? Uh, yes. You know, let's so raise money for charity. Yeah, exactly. like, that was exactly yeah. <laughs> so much great charity work. Yeah. Um, which is just wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, and obviously here um, at Starbase Indy, a huge hub, we got the yeah. Klingon. I still have. Um, the cardboard cutout of Laurel that I got from the last Klingon party, which I actually use on Cameo yeah. all the time because I really love doing the mixture of I'll be Mary and I'll wish whatever and then Laurel will come in. I'll have the little stand and she'll say her bit and we'll often have conversation and arguments and, you know, it's I great. I love it, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think Michelle made those for the room yeah. party that mm -hmm. year. Those, I have a little Pop Warrior one yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, they're great, yeah. I remember being like, please, can I take this one? Yeah, go <laughs> Please. She um, stood the test of time, too. It's been however many years. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> she made it on the plane. That's yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, right before we started recording, I had, I had said, you know, like, I have a background in theater, and I know Mary has a background in theater, and so, like, I, I had actually, I think, proposed this as a panel at one point, because, like, I just remember what that process was like, learning the language, like, we had we had a two day crash course, yeah. um, where like as a cast. So I, I did a show called A Klingon Christmas Carol in Chicago, and the whole show is in Klingon, but we have a Vulcan narrator, and they, it's just really as funny. One does. Yeah, as one does. <laughs> and um, but it, it's really interesting because it wasn't uh, it wasn't a musical. It was a play. It was mm -hmm. it was a stage play, and it was a Christmas Carol in yeah. Klingon. And our I believe our our stalwart translator is actually in the room. Right Right now, Chris Lipscomb, um, and Chris was actually the first teacher like that I had too for the Klingon language, and like he came in and for two days, like a whole weekend, we just like hours. It was the whole cast. It was a bonding experience, mm -hmm. like going through that boot camp together. Um, so like I'm kind of curious for you, yeah. like what was that like? Because you, I don't, you probably didn't have quite that quite that experience so yeah like, what was the I would say there definitely there was a feeling of Klingon boot camp it was we did uh before the pilot episode well I, my general timeline was I was cast in August of 2016 um and originally we were going to start filming in, in October but then things got pushed. And so I had kind of this, I don't know, extra time. And I had, once I was cast, I was just watching every Klingon-centric episode. I did the same you thing. You know, finding you online, you know, <laughs> just again, fully immersing in all possible Klingon things, you know, ordering all the books and everything. So I was, you know, regardless of what was going to be, you know, given to me by production, I'm like, I'm just going to do as much research as possible just to ease my mind. Right. Um, so I was diving through that. And then when we did, uh, in January of 2017, um, arrive on set in Toronto, we did have uh, rehearsals before the pilot where we both met with Robin Stewart, uh, Rhea Nolan, who was our um, uh, dialect coach. And um, 
we had a, like one or two sessions, each of us. So at the time, and you know, <laughs> Discovery season one spoilers, me and, and Chris Obi and, and Shazad and David Benjamin Tomlinson, who actually uh, is now more known for Linus mm-hmm. on Discovery. Oh yeah. Uh, but he <laughs> he is Orek in the first episode, the brother. Oh. Okay. Or yeah, is Orek, anyway, he's the brother of the Klingon that gets killed and then is like, no, I don't want to do it. And then folks <laughs> like, I'll do it. Um, but anyway, we became, best friends during that time. So I always like to shout out that he was a Klingon first and then became <laughs> Linus. And actually a multiple prosthetic characters across love, all the seasons. I love excellent when that human. happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, excellent human, I say. Excellent alien. Um, but anyway, uh, we had some initial discussions with Erin uh, uh, and Gretchen, the showrunners at the time, and our director, and kind of talking about the Klingon world and, you know, the 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 um, premise that was really set, uh, and originally, you know, Brian Fuller's vision of l- looking at the Klingons from a different perspective and really seeing that they're a full-fledged culture and that it's more of a <laughs> communication problem than, right. <laughs> you know, the, you know, you know, illuminating that they are not just these bestial, cruel people or beings. Right. <laughs> I've also like, I joke about, uh, I would talk a, a lot on panels about like the humanization of the Klingons. And I was like, no, 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 we're not going to make the humans number one. We're going to say the Klingonization, like, right. you know, <laughs> what, what does it mean to humanize? And I think that's a larger, interesting Star Trek question Yeah, is like, we tend to go like, and humans are best, but are they? Right. <laughs> Becomes that very colonialization yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Like, very, very good discussion for Thanksgiving weekend. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the themes are strong, um, but those were the conversations that we were having um, in these kind of uh, rehearsals before filming, which was very cool. And then we were in Toronto and we got to go on like the sarcophagus uh, ship set, which was like walking into a cathedral. I mean, it was immense and huge on one of their biggest sound stages in Pinewood. So we got to rehearse some of the blocking. So we did, for the pilot, really get a moment to be in the world before jumping right into filming. Um, and then they filmed the Klingon uh, scenes last uh, for that episode, um, just for, you know, whatever <laughs> reason. And uh, so got a little more time once we'd rehearsed to kind of marinate. At the time, too, I <laughs> lucked out in many ways that the bulk of my Klingon scenes came in the fourth episode. Mm-hmm. So the pilot, I had, you know, a few lines here and there. And, and in the second kind of two-part pilot really is what that, that first season is. Um, I had a fair amount. So I really got to observe the other actors who had (laughs) more Klingon language uh, at the beginning. But then once I was headed into the fourth episode, I luckily had a fair amount of time because there were no Klingons in the third episode. And I was back in LA and just really drilling all of those scenes with Rhea. We would have two hour sessions on Zoom, or I guess it wasn't Zoom. I guess it was FaceTime. Yeah. I just say Zoom now because <laughs> everybody says pandemic. Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used to say Skype. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but we would go on a screen and look at each other for two hours and and came up with our own kind of method. Each of the actors, between you know, primarily me, Shazad, Ken, uh, we had very different techniques in yeah. getting into the language. And mine was, I think, because of my theater training, tying back to your question, uh, (laughs) I found my way back, is that uh, I had focused a lot on Shakespeare um, in my theater training. um, And that is so much about, you know, rhythm and breath and also translation, because a lot of the words are not 
known uh, or, or as familiar to our modern ear. So I was used to having a page filled with like, this is what this means, this is what this means, and this is how also how rhythm and cadence helps with yeah. meaning. And I know you, in your translations with your songs, really work on like, what's the best way what's to the, like... Right, what's the, the Klingon way to say this? Yeah. So when I do, tra when I when I translate it, so to me it's like all about like, what's the Klingon, like, you know, it's, yeah. what's the, what is this song? What does it mean? What would it mean to a Klingon? Yes. Like, you yes. know, in yeah. that, in that sort of way. And we had, you know, we would par, we parsed our lines and, and I actually, I had a background in classical voice mm -hmm. a little bit, but I had kind of gotten away from that before I did the show for, I'd been kind of out of that for a while, but you know, like I was, I knew what it was to sing songs mm -hmm. in foreign languages mm -hmm. because like I had, you know, I'd been singing arias and yeah. you know and and things like that and so but it's a completely different world speaking mm -hmm. in a it, it's like yeah. it's the same but it's not at all and you know and trying to make that uh, trying to make it um understandable and yeah. and make it conversational and what was really interesting was that the very first season of our of the show that I did mm -hmm. where we were speaking it yeah. it was like we got we got a lot of compar comparisons to kabuki theater mm. because we did we we really used our bodies a lot mm -hmm. and we helped we tried to use our bodies we had super titles but yeah. we really were it was like kind yeah. of using our bodies to help convey what we were saying as well so and and so our speech was a little more stilted because we were also all very new to it yeah. and i was i did it for two years i did it that that first year and i did it again the next year and then i and then i was like i really want my holiday back um <laughs> and uh, uh very, very valid. and yeah. uh and so but the second year, I remember how much easier it was. Yeah. And and then I remember even then I would go each year to watch the productions because yeah. my friends were still doing it. Yeah. There were some folks who were in it that first year with me who were doing who did yeah. it like the fine up up until they stopped producing it in Chicago. And the difference in their ease with the language, yeah. even though they a lot of them hadn't even taken to studying it. Yeah like just they had just settled into it and it totally. was just so cool and and even i like will will fully admit like i didn't really start hardcore studying the language until 2017 mm -hmm. and even now i'm like i passed my first test i passed my my level one klingon language test that's, a, that's amazing in 2017 yeah. i have yet to take the second one yeah. because <laughs> i cannot remember my f stupid prefixes and suffixes <laughs> but like i i uh i i also like I don't know. There, I I was never focused on being conversational, which yeah. also like for me it was always about translation, mm -hmm. and I wanted to be able to translate my own songs. I was like, I don't want to just be the chick who like yeah. sings in Klingon. I want like yeah. I want all of like I want that geek cred. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I'm like I want the I want I want it I want it. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really fun translating my own songs, and I still like one of the scariest things in the world was getting the phone call <laughs> to do Prodigy oh, yeah. because I was like, I really wanted it because yep. I'm like, there's there's gonna be a level of, it's gonna give my project a level of, of yeah. credibility mm -hmm. that I, I'm i like, fine, you know, like, yeah. I because I've been working so hard yeah. um, for, for like seven plus years, eight years at that point. Yeah. And so I was like, 
ah. But I'm also like, okay, it's only six lines. You're gonna be fine yeah. <laughs> until it's not six lines. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh no. Um, and, and so, like, I actually, I, I, I can't, I can't really say what it was because I, I think I made, I thought it was for this season, but I think I actually did something for season two <laughs> of Prodigy, and like, uh, and, and it's so cool. And like, you know, and so, but I was terrified. Like I finished it. It took as long to do that one, that, that thing, because yeah. I was so afraid of getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. Like I did, I was like, I can't get this wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can't. And so I, I finished it and I did the thing. And then I like immediately was like emailing people. I was like, I really need Mark Ocarin's email address. Yeah. <laughs> like yesterday um, because I'm like I want to run this past Mark yeah. because I knew that Mark had been doing stuff for Strange New Worlds at that mm -hmm. point too so I was like there was just all kinds of stuff going on and I'm like I don't want to screw this up yeah. <laughs> that's like probably been my biggest like my biggest fear with what I've done is just making sure that it's justified and and because I got brought in so late in the process things happened that I had no control over mm -hmm. um which which happened frequently as well like they didn't even know that there were people like me who existed <laughs> at, yeah. at Nickel like the Nickelodeon yeah. folks yeah so like I think that's really interesting too is like there was like I really like everything that I translated for Prodigy was done in like post-production mm -hmm. like was basically like post-production punch-ins like uh -huh. oh we're we're gonna like re-record this line yeah. and like do it yeah but I got to do like every single thing that I heard I heard Alan like Alan's here and I've heard Alan yeah. talk about Alan worked on uh, Discovery um everything that I'd heard Robin talk about Mark talk about I like even though I had like just a handful to do I got thrown <laughs> everything mm -hmm. I had to do a, a, a mouth match to a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like, I'm just like, what? You want me to do what? And they're like, well, it's just like kind of like a curse word or something. I'm like, oh, I think that was the in the Kobayashi Maru episode. There's a Klingon who goes like, Raicha. Oh yeah. And that was that was me. Like, I sat and I watched that little tiny clip of a Klingon yeah. for like ten minutes, going like, what yeah. in the world am I gonna do with this? Um, so like I had to do that. I had to. I ended up having to retcon something uh, in the actually not this past episode of Prodigy, but the one right before. I had translated a line for them, and they forgot to record it. Oh no! And so there had been something else that had been recorded in in its place, and I had to. I basically had to sit and like spend some time justifying. Yeah what she said and why she said it yeah. <laughs> so so like those are all the funny little like weird things that I got to do mm -hmm. and like but that's just like television like it's such a it's quick mm -hmm. and you know and and when Robin I, I know that when Robin was brought on she was able originally able to do discovery because of your shooting schedule and then the shooting schedule kept getting pushed oh, yeah. back and robin is a she's a survey pilot by trade yeah. so winter time is fine for her there's no sunlight the minute it's the sun yeah. she's up in the air yeah. like 15 hours a day yeah. whatever like she's sun you know sunrise to sunset she's up in the air so like that was when Alan got brought in um, because if they needed something last minute, which television like always needs something last minute, like, and you're like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> they're, 
they need somebody who can be on call. So it's it's very interesting, like just kind of behind the scenes, like all the weird crap that goes on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so much to what you were saying, like when, when you were talking about, uh, like there's the balance of like retcon. I remember Rama saying too at the beginning, she's like, if this ends up being how you pronounce this certain sound, like obviously we're going for right. at the best goal, but there will be cadences or, or things that Laurel does that will become canon. The right. goal is to make it as accurate as possible, but a lot of certain phrases and things from past shows and movies, that's also how they became canon. So it's like, it's a fun mixture. And because it is a living language that people genuinely speak, I just to like what you were saying, the pressure or, you know, the, and, and I think it's, um, a pressure that I'm grateful to have. It's one I put on myself in any endeavor. It's self-inflicted you know. pressure. Yeah. It really is. Out of, out of love and respect, yeah. because knowing that people really are so dedicated to this language, um, and what you were saying too, even jumping way back to just in doing the show that you did, um, finding the physicality, and yeah. I found too, it's such an interesting mixture, because if you're studying French or Spanish, there are cadences that are innate in the culture whereas with Klingon there isn't as much that is seen or known known of. yeah um and so the balance of finding one's own rhythm within a language but respecting what it was and so many of the original words uh came from Klingons on the bridge I remember reading about that and so a lot of them are kind of strip bah you know yeah. something like that <laughs> whereas you know in Discovery in those scenes in that fourth episode where when i was really getting to do dialogue and, and intimate scenes. I mean, yeah. it's still one of my favorite scenes I ever did in the dilithium processor, <laughs> you know, chamber with Vogue. It's so intimate and sweet and flirtatious. And um, so finding a way to embody the sounds of the language, um, but still let it exist on a, quote, human level. Yeah. And finding, again, the balance of not trying to overly humanize it, yeah. but let it be um, recognizable. Right. To, to, a, to a human, which we all are. Right. As much as it I want to truly be an alien. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. Some days, yeah. The, uh, yeah, like there's just sort of that, that whole cultural aspect and, and remembering to, for me, it's it's all about kind of honoring honoring the warrior culture mm -hmm. behind it, you know, and, and what that means. I think even the phrase like today is a good day to die yeah. is actually like taken from a, from like an indigenous mm -hmm. saying. And, um, and like, what does that mean? And, you know, so many people think it, you know, yeah. when you're, you know, they'll get into cosplay and they'll be like, it means that I'm, you know, I'm bad, I'm mean. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, there's a lot more to it than yeah. that. Like, you know, and that's why I, I enjoy translating and translating music so much mm -hmm. because like, it really helps, in, it gives more life to the cult to the culture like you know it becomes about love and you know you love you you don't just fight hard yeah you try to yeah. do that every day but you love hard and you play hard and you laugh hard and you yeah. party hard yeah. you do all of those things hard because today is a good day to die so it's not just about fight you know the fighting hard it becomes about all of those other things and rounding those out and and that's one of the things that i i did like about discovery too is yeah. that you eventually got to see sort of that trajectory of wartime versus peacetime yeah. versus you know and 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 love and and all of those things so. yeah I've always said that um 
yeah, uh, today is a good day to die is like the Klingon version of live long and prosper. Right. You know? Yeah. What, yeah. yeah and, <laughs> and I totally agree. And I did, you know, I'm so grateful I did get to say that phrase in Klingon in the finale of season two, yeah. which was just such a, and that was the first time I got to be on a ship and do the, like the, the oh, you got, oh, you got to do the little like, like shaky shake. And you're right. And I was like, oh my God, it literally is that. Yeah. And what was funny was of course that those, like that two part finale, so much of that was various ships and people having to do that. So I remember our like first AD and I was, it was one of the last days of filming that they did my stuff on the Klingon bridge. And he's this charming British man. And, and I was like, this is so great. And he's like, yes, I've been doing this for three weeks. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, and left and right. Um, but obviously very, 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 very cool. But I, I do. Are you I, saying lines while that's happening too? Like yeah. while somebody's like calling off to the side, I you're feel, like, Try. yeah, I feel like we ultimately like time it. So you get the thing and then <laughs> say and then like intersperse. It is amazing. And like the sparks going, I mean, it was very fun. I really, that is just all of the finale stuff I had. This is of course a bit tangential, but that's what we're here for. Klingon tangents. Um, <laughs> I had really hoped, I think it was once we were entering season two and I knew Laurel would be chancellor and, that, you know, whatever was going on with her and Tyler, whatever's going on with <laughs> whatever's, her. Yeah. Lord knows. Kalish knows. Um, you know, Kalish is like, y'all, we need to figure some stuff out. Uh, y'all need Kalish. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, knowing that we were going to be working together in some capacity, that, you know, trying to be, uh, you know, peers together, whatever that may be, I had had this vision of them coming in, cavalry coming in sort of thing, and, you know, it hadn't happened in the beginning of this season. And then once we were getting, got the script for the finale and there's like, literally, I think Pike says, looks like the cavalry arrived. Right. And, it, and I was just sort of crying. Cause I was like, this is exactly the moment I wanted. All hope is lost. And then the Klingons come in. Um, uh, with the big cleave ship, which I can't remember who it was who pointed this out to me. Um, but the symbolism, the arc of the cleave ship, which in the two-part pilot that we were talking about is like one of the most vicious terrible moments where it slices through a yeah. ship and causes all of this death and destruction and the fact that Laurel has the arc of through her leadership she uses the ship for good to yeah. help not just the Federation all sentient life in the galaxy but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know she does yeah. what she can um but I really loved that arc and I think that symbolizes to me you know, my favorite, one of my favorite aspects of her journey and the character is that she's still a Klingon. She still does things the Klingon way, but she is what a true leader should be is someone who, you know, owns their culture and their power, but is able to listen and collaborate and, um, you know, sees when there's a greater good that needs to be served. And I think that is at the core what Klingons are. And exactly, we can misinterpret today as a good day to die as death and destruction to right. all of you. <laughs> but it's so much deeper. And it is a, an understanding of mortality. Right. You know, an acceptance of it, too. And there's very, yeah. they're like, I, I have a whole funny thing that I do called Klingon mindfulness. Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> um, that, and like, it, it's, and it's, it's just, I, I, whenever yeah. I think of today is a good day to die, I think of Klingon mindfulness as yeah. well. I'm just like, yes, like, 
it's it, they're very present and yeah. it's all about being present mm-hmm. and in the moment yeah and I'm like I think that just as somebody who has also has anxiety and you know and depression and ADHD and like you know like there's one of the reasons I love Klingon so much is yeah. that it's very freeing to mm-hmm. be a Klingon because yeah. it focuses me like yeah. it, it, it is like I you have to be in the moment if mm-hmm. you are you know if you're a Klingon like you just you have to yeah. because that's how they are yeah so like for me that's it's one of those things it's like I put on my ridges and I'm in the moment like, yeah like, it's such a an easy thing put on your ridges metaphorical or otherwise like yeah <laughs> I, I really find too yeah any yeah being in the ridges I love you saying that because I have felt I've always loved transforming into characters and that definitely like in, as I continue to be a creative person in this world, that's definitely where I want to be is creating. It doesn't have to be as, as far into the prosthetic realm as Laurel, but I love being able to embody characters that are foreign from me. Uh, and with Laurel specifically, I feel so akin to her, like out of so many different characters that I played in my life, she's one of the ones that I feel the most familiar with and I mean I luckily also got to live in her for so long right. um, but even though her journey in life is very different from mine just that the core of her feels very very on my vibration and also talking to like the expanse of oneself and as a woman like being feeling like there's so many boxes that the world can try and put us into and Laurel just, just doesn't fit into those boxes yeah. because Klingons don't fit into that box and we don't um, we just, you know, we're, I think we're on the precipice of allowing ourselves to be more full and all of us, all human beings, because I think the, the boxes that we've created for whatever reason are just not helpful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> whether they're, whether we put ourselves in them or not. Yeah. yeah that's the <laughs> yeah. It's the chicken or the egg thing for yeah. sure. You know, I, I the, just to go remembering season two I remember sitting on the couch and my husband is is in the room and probably remembers the moment too (laughs) when you like called yourself Shosh and you were like Shosh and I was just like I wrote a I got a song for that yeah yeah I was like I did that song two years ago yeah yes yeah (laughs) I was like I've got a song for mother. Yeah, Yeah, I thought, and it's so true because I I felt that was such an epic moment, Klingon or not, but it is, I feel like, such an innate, cool aspect of the goal. It felt so right. They they really needed some Danzig in that moment. Yeah. They really needed it. Yeah. It it was a really cool, I loved that. That speech was just so cool. They had me also up on this, you you know, podium. And even though they, I mean, huge kudos to the VFX team. Everything else was green screen. That was all like that whole chamber where everyone else is. So I was just on this awesome platform with that dress that I just love so much. It was like all I wanted as like someone who like grew up with Wicked and wanted to be Elphaba. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I'm in the black dress. I'm an Elphaba act too. And a little bit of Queen Elizabeth thrown in. And, but it was really, and uh, Olatunde Ansansami, who directed that episode, who actually directed that fourth episode in the first season, and, like, um, he was just always really jazzed about the Klingons, and I felt, like, (laughs) really, you know, directed those episodes beautifully, but um, had that great, like, tracking shot, like, from behind my head forward, and, like, you just felt the epicness of that scene, and I was the only one there acting, (laughs) Uh, but the whole crew 
was kind of on the side of this green screen and they were all kind of listening, you know, they were yeah. all kind of sitting there. So I did have an audience, <laughs> um, but it was, it was, that's just one of my favorite moments, both that, you know, in the filming of it, but also in the viewing of it. Like it's such an exciting moment as a performer when things come across as, as great as they felt. Yeah. You yeah. know, because yeah. sometimes yep. you're like, yeah. And you watch, you're like, oh no. And you're like, oh no. Yeah. Uh, That's but, why I only do stage. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just don't have to have that experience. <laughs> but it was cool. And I, I was, I was just so impressed that they, you know, pushed to have that moment in there. I mean, it's a very controversial, intense moment. And to me, and I've spoken to the past, in to the past, in the past <laughs> uh, on this, that they really go to an archetypal place. The Klingon stories overall are very Greek Shakespearean stories. And we see that in all of the different shows where the Klingon plots come in. It's, you know, you see, you know, there's the Federation stories, there's the Vulcan stories, there's, you know, and they all live in a, a certain energy and the Klingon ones are always like ho ha one of my favorite one of my favorite Klingon episodes is Deep Space Nine mm -hmm. once more unto the breach. Yes. Like yeah yeah <laughs> it's I, just right there. It's like <laughs> It is right there. It's yeah. perfect that they would have translated that, or that you know, in Terrans would have stolen, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Shakespeare yeah. from Klingons. Yes, it absolutely yes. makes sense. I still gotta. I have the the Klingon Hamlet, uh, but I have I've yet to like read through it. It's, yeah, I, I think we all have a copy. Yeah. I don't know how many of us have actually read it. I'm sure I'm sure there are people yeah. in this room who have. Yeah. yeah. I don't know the last time I've read through the English translation of yeah. Hamlet. So I had to I had to read Hamlet once at least once a semester, if oh, wow. not twice a semester for my entire time in college because like it was like it's such an it's such an archetypal like yeah. it's Everybody knows Hamlet, so yep. it was always used up as yeah. like lifted up as, as an example. Yeah. So like by the time I graduated college, I was like, if I never have to read Hamlet yeah. again, yeah. like and it will like, be too soon. And the Klingons um, go, but wait, but wait. <laughs> um, so I so I I have been streaming eight, once a year for a charity event that I do. And in 2020, because of the pandemic, I started streaming twice a week. Um, I because. I was like, what the heck else do I have to do? And I started playing Star Trek Online. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and my goal with it was to play through all the story arcs mm -hmm. because there and there is a lot of story arc in Star Trek Online and they yeah. are con they are adding to it constantly. Right now, Will Wheaton is the Terran Emperor, y'all. Oh, yeah. It's so yeah. good. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but there was an awesome, like... There was so, oh wait the Klingon yeah. story arc yeah and uh, I oh I just died I think that I it got clipped of me just like being oh, like yeah ah! yeah because yeah. uh, I'm like it's coming <gasps> it's coming and uh, what how did you yeah. did, how did that all come about because yeah. I just I just really want to know yeah. mostly I'm just I, like tell I me because it. I love I was, the game and yeah. like I just I just and then you did yeah. the song and I was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was all, I, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I, I really had have had, I continue to have um, a wonderful experience with Star Trek Online and Al Rivera, who's my main point of communication, but their whole team is just excellent so nice. and so nice, so passionate. <laughs> Obviously, they're fans. Like, I yeah. think we see this across the board with fandoms when fans are creating art for fans. Uh, <laughs> 
it often works out. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that everyone agrees with every iteration. Right. But there, there's a, again, I guess I'm talking a lot about vibra- vibrations today, but <laughs> there's, you know, an energy around people that care. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's an f- interesting journey because Al approached me, I think, Star Trek Las Vegas 2018 even, maybe 2019, um, and let me know because they have to play, uh, plan the plot so far in advance. Uh, he said, just a heads up, in 20, I think he did say, like, in 2021, or maybe he said 2020, but in around that time, we're gonna, we would really love to do a thorough Klingon plot. This is the general idea of what we're going to do. We really want Laurel to be central in it. Um, and I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, he just wanted to see if that was yeah. of interest. And I was like, please, yeah, yes, just let, let me, me know. Let me speak Can't more wait. Klingon. Cause there's, I, I, I love Star Trek Online, but the Klingon in the game is so not great. Up oh, no. until <laughs> it's, it's bless their hearts. Oh, the, I, 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 I got you. Yeah. The, yeah. The up until, up until Laurel. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. yeah the, 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 the language, the, the Klingon language, just there's, there's so many moments where I'm like, oh, please the, just call me. Yeah. Call yeah. Klingon. But yeah, that, that was really fun. Well, the weird, you know, twist is that then 2020 happens, everything yeah. shut down. Yep. And then I think it was, the summer of that, of 2020, at some point, Al emails me and he's like, hey, so, um, pandemic, but uh, we are still going to do this this game and we, this story. And I guess, because I, I remember it was, I think, the beginning of 2021 that I actually went into a booth and recorded. It was right when, you know, that was, I mean, obviously things were starting to happen where you had the protocols and sanitation and right. all that stuff. But, um, and usually, because they're in Northern California, usually you would go up there and record, um, but luckily there's a, a great voice tracks, West yeah. <laughs> in Studio City where um, <laughs> I, was, I was able to go in and uh, record, because it was basically, yeah, two parts, those two big episodes right. of, of this Klingon arc with Laurel and Tanovic, and um, so great. So good. And uh, so, yeah, so he, you know, gave me, the general sense of the arc, you get the lines. And what I loved so much is, again, that they wrote Laurel so clearly. Like, to me, there was no challenge in coming back to her voice because they were writing her dialect and her dialogue. Like, it just felt like I was right back on set nice. uh, with that character. And as you noted, it's such an epic it's plot. so epic. It's so great. <laughs> like, bring her back and, and going yeah. to. to um, uh, Grathor and like it just yeah. all of the and yeah furthering the plot between her and, and Vogue and like it just all felt in line with who Laurel um, was to me um, so that was just a thrill and you know coming out of 2020 it was such a gift to have this creative endeavor coming yeah. back to this character I love um, and not having to be fully prosthetic and not having to be in prosthetics for <laughs> it to be honest I will I will hop in those ridges any day but <laughs> yeah. if I don't have to yeah. uh, and still get to embody her and it's fun too because her voice and thanks to like cameo and uh, various things her voice does live in me I, I, I and I love her so much that I don't be like ah, I did that and now I'm done I love coming back to her voice again I feel very in flow as an artist when, when I'm embodying her her voice and uh, yeah, but but they've been great. And in fact, you know, 
furthering the plot, I'm I now am the mission giver. You're right. Um, every you know, so I get to come in every few months and record just a little bit. But it's just this lovely way to come back, say hi to the gang, right? Be Laurel like, for a second. <laughs> and everyone's everyone's really celebratory. And and again, oh, the other aspect that I just was so impressed with is the animation itself. Yeah. Um, the cutscenes are so good. There yeah. were moments they were showing me samples where, like, the way I just even moved my eyes. See, I even say I moved my eyes because it, it just felt like how I would have done that moment. Like, right. when Laurel first wakes up. Yeah. Like, her, in the intake of breath, it just felt. And as, you know, they told me, their animators really studied me both on screen as Laurel, but also I think whatever videos they could find of me, mm -hmm. you know, doing an interview on the carpet, whatever is on YouTube, <laughs> studying Mary. And um, it just really shows. So I, I can't speak high enough of their whole team and what they're doing. The game, we, 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 love, we love the bugs. And we love the yeah, game. Yeah, like yeah. those of us who play it, like we, the community, the community around it is really, really good. Um, so yeah, that was that was really fun, and I was really excited when you got when you got to sing and cling on. Oh of yeah, I was. yeah, that was, I was like yay. very cool. <laughs> yeah, I really, really that song was that. epic too. Yeah. I was like, hot damn, Mary, go! Yeah, <laughs> it was so cool too because yeah. Um, just yeah, being like, wow, this is a great song. I totally yeah. want to jam out to it. And then, yeah, recording some silly video around it, too. Oh like, my gosh, they were like, yes. just if you want to do something of lip syncing, and then, of course, I can't do anything halfway. I was like, like okay. <laughs> and then just bopping around. I heard that you sent them, like, multiple yeah. takes oh, and gosh, different, like, yeah. different things. I was like, yes. Yes, yeah. she did. I think the Vimeo <laughs> link was probably, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, Here's this version. For Here like I a three am. and a half minute yeah. song. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure the um, aforementioned uh, Laurel cutout yes. was featured yep. in that as well. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was really fun. Yeah. I love it. And again, I had a, a great source of inspiration to kind of rock it out. And I, I was I, thinking too of, um, I, I'm just having flashes of uh, at the, the cruise talent show oh, yeah. and you rocking it out <laughs> my heart will go on right uh yeah yeah that Just was fun cling on amazing i was like all right this is th i knew it was going to be my last cruise for a while mm -hmm. and so yeah i was like all right what, what's gonna i'm gonna go down with this ship yeah. i'm gonna like <laughs> let's do my heart will go on like let's do it and as soon as i i when when you're doing that you know like i'm just signed up as me because yep. you know like i have not been able to you know like get my foot in the door there and I'm like man they really need to sing and cling on on this cruise yeah. and um and so I uh I you don't know when you're when you're backstage yeah. you don't know who the guests you don't know who the yeah. panelists oh, are going right. to be until the reveal so we're like we're hanging out and we don't know who the the judges are going to be and as soon as I saw <laughs> who the judges were it was you Ken and, and Roxanne yeah, Dawson yeah literally all the cling all Klingons <laughs> and I was like Oh yeah, I'm gonna yeah. win yeah. this. <laughs> it was true, and we, I know certainly Ken and I had already come in as fans. Right. Yeah, and I, I don't know. How, oh, I've never met Roxanne, Roxanne before. She it's... was very impressed, though. I remember she was, she was like, "What? A singing Klingon?" I had friends who were who filmed it, like they were in like the third or fourth yeah. row, and so they were like right there, and they kind of like panned over, yeah. and I was like, and so I got to see it afterwards, and I was like, "Yes." 
Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was epic. It was really fun. Very, very I, I've, I've hustled that talent show. The three cruises I went on, I hustled the talent show every time. <laughs> I'm like, come on, y'all. Hire me. Hire me. It. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's great. I, I always really enjoy it. My, my funny thing with talent shows or when the costume contests, they're so incredible and wonderful. And I've judged the Vegas one since the yeah. first one I went to before the show had even come out. Um, and... It's so, I love it so much, but I'm also that person that like hates competitions right. because yeah. everyone's so great. Yeah. Like even if, you know, however, whatever level the costumes, like it, I just, it's to me, I, I feel like when you have the system where at least it's about like tallying things up, I feel right. like it's not like, it's not me going like, this is the best. It's just like, these are how the numbers turn out. You're yep. all great. You're all great. But yeah. I do, it's such a interesting thing because it's such a wonderful communal thing. But I got really actually in uh Chicago, Mission Chicago, I judged uh, the costume contest. And it was, I swear, like I don't know how 60 people... people and so many excellent things. And I was just like, I just can't. And how, like, I remember some of the stuff, seeing it on the cruise. And I'm sure yeah. even with Mission Chicago, like, yeah. not everybody lived in Chicago. And I'm yeah. like, how did you get that on a plane? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get that on a plane yeah. and then onto the boat yes how and where are you keeping that because yeah. i know how big my state room yeah. is yeah like, yeah yeah it's just everyone's just like the whole like, room they have a separate room for the costume yeah yeah no it's very true and that yeah, yeah that's part of it is like just the love and dedication yeah. um obviously that just permeates throughout the fandom and and i think just general yeah. it, these sorts of fandoms that are, you know, sci-fi fantasy, those of us that love stories in heightened genres. Right. Should we but, should we ask, should we let people ask questions? Oh yeah. I love I love a good I don't know. Look at me, look at look at me. I'm like, I'm like, well we got food. I got 15 I th minutes. I think that's all, that's always that? a good marker point. I'm like, if there's any questions, otherwise we can just yeah, sit yeah. here and shoot the breeze <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, you yeah. know, like when, let's say the question again. So oh yeah. So the I, yeah. Go ahead. The question is: twenty uh, twenty was you know with COVID um, and everything shut down. What were the precautions and what did what you know what happened sort of after that? And then what were the precautions that were taken to keep people safe? Yeah, and what yeah production starting yeah, up production, again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great question. And yes, it's it will forever be that the last thing I did before the shutdown was the Star Trek cruise. Yep. <laughs> Same. Within, you know, within days. I mean, as you know, yep. that was when, that was the week that everything went, and this is done, and this is done, and this is done. And I'll never know for sure, but I think I could have had COVID, like, when I got back. I was sick for two weeks. A lot of, it wasn't the symptoms, the typical symptoms, yeah. and there were no tests at the time. You know, like, right. it was one of those things where, like, if you don't have these five symptoms, then we're not giving you a test. Um, but, so, just in my, my you know, direct uh, um, journey post-cruise was getting back and quarantining um, in my own little, the guest house of my childhood home where my parents were in the main house. We'd already decided because there was enough on the news that we were like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna have Mary be, be in, a, in a corner over here. Um, but I'm trying to remember, I was not, at this point they were, I think, revving up into season three, which I wasn't in, so I don't know specifically with Trek when they got back. Um, but I think overall it was, I mean, we were all, all of us were pretty shut down entirely for a few months. And then I don't, I feel like I wanna say, what, it was March when shut down, March, April, May, 
May, June, I think is maybe when production started to say, okay, we're gonna test, we're gonna, you know, and I, what I do know near the beginning, especially up until the vaccines and everything, it was very much, um, you know, testing every day, probably, and sometimes even like multiple times, PCR, uh, everyone wearing masks and shields often, um, unless they were literally being filmed. Um, and everyone being isolated from each other. I mean, from what I heard, <laughs> what's funny is certain aspects were kind of just comparable to my experience being in prosthetics. <laughs> like, I remember my mom was telling me she's an actor as well, and in, the, I think, the fall of that year, she did um, a few episodes of uh, Goliath, and they, you know, were very, very COVID-compliant, and she was saying, yes, you know, we're, I'm off here, and then I don't talk to anybody, and then I have to be led on set and all this stuff. I was like oh yeah, that's what I would do every day in my prosthetic. <laughs> I'd just like be sitting in a chair hoping that somebody, <laughs> somebody would just talk yeah, yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then not being allowed to talk. Like, I mean, the prosthetic thing is like, you just, I shouldn't be moving my mouth unless I'm on screen because my mouth will fall off. Like that's a little different from COVID <laughs> Um uh, But but anyway, but yeah, that's what I uh, know to be true. The, the once, I the first gig I did, um, post shutdown or within shutdown was the Star Trek Online. So I had the booth experience first. And then I did, um, by the time I was doing something in person, I did an episode of Girls 5 Eva, and then more recently NCIS. And with both of those, it was still, you have to test, be masked, um, unless you're on camera. Um, you know, a lot of filters, that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, generally still being, you know, as isolated as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a very interesting moment, obviously, in the industry. And I just find it interesting knowing all that, that all of that is going on, watching shows that have been made in the past few years. Because I'll watch something and be like, right, so in between takes, everyone's putting their mask back on or everyone was off here. Or, you know, it, I just think about yeah. how much more makeup they've had to go through because yeah. every time you take your, you oh, put your mask gosh. on and take it off, you're, you're going to have to get a touch up. So yeah. I'm like, they must be going through way more foundation than yeah. they, and powder than they ever have before. Yeah. It's like, really those true. It's budgets. all those little things. Yeah. <laughs> you don't it, think about. You don't but. think about. And I know, yeah, actually, like my friend David, who's Linus, he was saying, obviously with prosthetics, Wearing a mask is not quite the same thing, but they right. developed, I think, a thing with the shields where you can, you know, it's still covering you. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a new frontier. Nobody's done this before. Yeah. <laughs> so I think everyone's just doing their best. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think having the precedent of testing is just the way to go, personally. I think, you know, having PCR tests and rapid antigen tests um, just keeps everyone... Um, in a, in a secure place. Um, and I think that you want people to be acting in a space that feels comfortable <laughs> so that they can do the risky things and, and get to that other vulnerable place. And I know um, I heard, you know, the cast from Discovery talking about filming in that time. And I'm, yeah, it, mu it must've been season three, um, but how the vulnerability of that season, like you're, you're, obviously grappling with the reality of the world whilst grappling with the reality of the story and with, you know, these heightened worlds, it is high stakes all the time. So kind of having it as um, a space to channel that energy, I think was very cathartic for a lot of people. So it's, yeah, it's, it's depending on the show. Some people were jumping back in to do, you know, comedy and having to kind of release it in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, 
it's it's a it's an interesting time with all of that. But I'm so glad that we have been able to create art, continue that going, and find ways to make that possible because I think we all need it. Yeah. Yep. Compliance officers and all sorts of stuff. Budgets are different now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I like to say that our limitations liberate us. <laughs> like that's basically what you have to do when you're covered in prosthetics. But I, I really do believe that in my core, and I found that especially in season one, it was both the armor and the prosthetic. Um, and I did feel very lucky that the shape of my eyes is very big. <laughs> and that really became the window into her soul in a lot of ways. And once I knew that, um, there was one instance early on, I think in the second episode, where Takuvma's talking, as he does, and they did just coverage of me listening through this whole scene where I didn't speak at all. And, you know, I'm, you know, finding ways, uh, kind of really learning that I could tilt my head to help indicate. And I did a lot of um, mask and creature work uh, in school. And so it was really leaning on those techniques that I had built. Um, and I've always been a very, like, physical actor. Shocking. Um, <laughs> I know that's what? a real surprise for everyone. Um, but it was so thrilling to be able to be, oh, great, I get to use all these skills. Uh, that I've developed and yeah I really found particularly the armor in those first few episodes was very tight like it was bulky and it was like you really did not have much traction there <laughs> yeah exactly and you couldn't hug anyone because they'd be like ah um, <laughs> here I am like trying to hug everyone they're like Mary you're a Klingon um, <laughs> like chill out um, but yeah I really found because I didn't have much dexterity there it really was the kind of sway in the shoulders plus the sway in the head and then really knowing that any slight eye movement was going to be actually more um, visible than even if I were just had my human face because we're used to seeing oh and I know I can like twerk my mouth this way or do something else but with the eyes it was like all because you have less movement in your face that's what you're really seeing so I remember doing that uh, particular take of just the coverage and one of the writers who was on set like came up to me and said, oh my God, that's fantastic. Because they're also, they don't know how the prosthetic is gonna translate. These are new prosthetics that they just built. They're 3D printing technology and um, they're, they're having to discover with us if it works. And so I do feel very grateful that um, they recognize that early on. And I do think, because I was um, signed on to for those first two episodes and then potentially recurring, but had no guarantee of how much Laurel would be a part of the show. And I really am grateful that I think they saw that I could translate Klingon emotion in a certain way and that motivated them to give me then that fourth episode and find like the, bring an energy. And I think, you know, uh, both a, a toughness and a softness. Like to me, I, I realized too, the more I brought my heart and, you know, on a very energetic level, my soul, tried to let that shine through, uh, the more the prosthetic just took care of itself. I didn't need to play the Klingon part. I mean, it was innately there. Uh, and that is part of the mask work too, is I would look at myself in the mirror and just start to play with, you know, how, how she moved. And then what was funny was I was already doing these sort of head tilts. And again, there was a real serpentine feline quality to the look of the Klingons, particularly in season one without the hair and the long ridges and everything, or the, you know, <laughs> big, big head, <laughs> big back head. 
And then I had a conversation with Neville Page, the designer. Um, we got coffee when I was back in LA at one point, And I mentioned, yeah, I'm really finding this movement. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, in the design that we really wanted to find a meaning behind the ridges and the sensors. And so he was like, the sensors get stronger in the back that, you know, that there was like a reptilian sort of quality um, and, you know, whatever alien version of that. So then, of course, I joke like, then watch me from like episode like seven onwards in the first season. <laughs> I'm tilting my head like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing all this stuff. But it, it did really help too because, you know, I get, when I get captured, I'm in the jail cell. I don't have, I, luckily, that's a joke too. The jail cell outfit was my favorite because I was like in pajamas. <laughs> like you have like the buckles, but I was like, I, I can just sit, I can sit in a chair because you couldn't sit in a chair in that armor. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And they're like, yeah. you're captured. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. This is great. Um, but I did really find too, and I think plot-wise, where I am with Tyler and, and and trying to like bring out the Klingon in him, that sort of sensor, sort of again deepening primal um, quality uh, to the character. And I I <laughs> I like to <laughs> to riff off of a question, but I really do believe that part of Laurel's journey is understanding her nature as a Klingon doesn't translate well to the humans. And so really leaning into that aspect. And, and again, it all sees from your question, which is like, how do you let this character exist in, in full form and not let the audience see an actor struggling? Because you don't, like, as, as, as sweaty and gross as it can get, I don't want you to see that. Like, I don't want you to be thinking about the fact that my lips are falling off. I want you to be totally immersed in the character. And if I'm doing my job right, you don't even realize there's a human underneath, you know? Right. Um, and again, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, I, but I, I, it really is, as I said, like, something that I've always really loved. So, again, to do a character. And the language stuff. I mean, the language, the movement. I, I look back at the fact that this character had so many aspects of what I wanted to put into the world. Uh, it's just really, really, really cool. <laughs> I remember, I think I asked you this question yeah. at one point, And I, I thought that I had noticed from season one to season two that they had pared your makeup back a little bit. Yes. Yeah, from it going into season two, like it looked like we had more of your face, and I, I was like, I, I kind of, I was like, that looks, yeah, this like, is a little like, bit more like Mary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, we had, uh, I think at the end of the day, it was like we reached Laurel 4.0. I think was our joke. Yeah. <laughs> we had Laurel in the first two episodes. Then in the fourth episode, we we're you know been starving for six months or whatever, so they had a more gaunt Laurel. So that was Laurel 2.0, and then then I get blasted. Uh, so then that was 3.0 oh, yeah. and then was that, I guess. And then, and then 4.0 was yeah. Second season. And that was, yeah, that was, they also had you know, like a, a whole, you know, hiatus to really work on it. But, uh, yeah, they made it, it was thinner, still pretty thick. <laughs> I will say. Uh, but yeah, they definitely were leaning towards letting it be closer to my face. And then obviously it had the scar heal more. Uh, and then the hair, <laughs> and hair yeah. uh, which was obviously the funny thing about the hair, too, is that um, that was, you know, hopefully not only aesthetically. And we're talking about time of peace, all that sort of stuff, finding a way to bridge the aesthetic between eras. But uh, hopefully it was like, yeah, it will be less time. 
But in this case, it was more like do what you did in season one and then sew in a wig. (laughs) So because we had them to involve the hair department. So I'd get all suited up, you know, about two and a half hours or so. And then um, our our hair guy had to come in and just like if it were my actual scalp, (laughs) not good, (laughs) you know, just like really just hunker it in there. Um, But it was great and and very fun. And I I felt, again, storytelling wise, uh, Laurel was having to adhere to a certain, you know, uh, standard that her, this patriarchal world was asking her to be as a leader, um, and had her own struggles within that. And again, why, not just because I love Wicked, but why I love that black dress is in the first part of the episode, she's in that great copper dress. We get some Klingon cleavage or cleavage. I accidentally coined that term (laughs) on Star Trek day. (laughs) On Star Trek day, I was supposed to say Klingon cleavage and I'm like on stage and I was like, cleavage. (laughs) um, I love it. They're like, it's canon now. Um, But cleavage. (laughs) But then, you know, you see her trying to adhere to like a more stereotypical female, male gaze, female, whatever. And, um, then I love that then she takes on, you know, she puts on the matronly dress, as one could call, which to me is, you know, just as badass. And then the rest of the outfits you see her in are more armored um, as she has to be as this this new leader. Um, so I, I, I really appreciated that arc. But yes, I think both in how Laurel became more and more me, um, just energetically and storytelling wise, um, I felt that the prosthetic kind of tried to mirror that as well, that it was yeah. becoming more of this symbiotic relationship between me and Laurel. How do we do? We are just coming up in an hour, so wow, nailed it. What did you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> and ending on Klingon cleavage. Cleavage. <laughs> what better place to end? Yes. You can find both Mary and Jen in the vendor hall and on stage the rest of the weekend. So. Thanks for listening to the Starbase Indie Podcast. For more information about our organization and our upcoming events, check us out at starbaseindie.org. See you on the Starbase.